What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Love of Speed podcast. I am one half of your hosting crew here, Connor Farmer, joined by the always great Thomas Billsborough. Tom, how are we doing tonight? I am doing well. Um, again, with the uh, other half of the of the uh, team here, I like that. Like the change I, I up of the intro. Switched it up on you a little bit, you know. Tried to, yeah. tried to you know, keep you on your toes here and there, you know. Call me off guard, surprise. Yeah, yeah, I do my best. I do my best. Uh, we are here getting ready to do a little bit of a roundup of the 2022 Saudi Arabian Grand Prix in Jeddah. Uh, Tom, an exciting weekend of racing. Uh, one of the, you know, craziest tracks I think we have all year. Um, did it live up to uh, to the hype that we really, you know, that we were really looking at and, and looking to get into? Oh, I think it absolutely lived up to the to the hype that we want this track to live up to. But I think that we can all also take a big, you know, sigh of relief that this track is now out of the way and we can move on to Melbourne next, off to Australia, which I'm looking forward to very much so. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so, quick rundown of how the race results panned out in this race. We had Max Verstappen taking his very first win of this 2022 season, followed closely by a Charles Leclerc for Ferrari. In P3, we had Carlos Sainz. P4, we saw Sergio Perez. In P5, George Russell out finishing his teammate, Lewis Hamilton, for the first time this season. An interesting note and an interesting little uh, development to kind of keep an eye on to see how see how much he uh, might might be finishing in front of Hamilton this season. Uh, in P6, we have Esteban Ocon. In P7, we had Lando Norris. P8, Pierre Gasly. In P9, Kevin Magnussen. With, uh, another points finish for that Haas, which is, you know, very, very uh, inspiring, I think, to say the least, for that Haas team. Uh, in P10, we saw Lewis Hamilton just scraping in at that P10 spot, getting himself at least a point. Uh, in P11, we had Guan Yu Zhou. P12, we had the Hulk and Nico Hulkenberg. Uh, P13, Lent Stroll. And P14, even though he was a DNF, we had Alex Albon. Uh, so, Tom, after this race result here, how are the constructors and driver standings? Uh, how are they shaping up? Well, on the driver's side of the, of the championship standings, it is still all Ferrari out at the front. Charles Leclerc currently holds the lead of the driver's championship at 45 points, followed by teammate Carlos Sainz, who has 33 points. Max Verstappen, after winning in round two in Saudi Arabia, now has 25 points slotted into P3. Here's where the shocker starts to come out, though. P4, George Russell for Mercedes with 22 points ahead of teammate Lewis Hamilton who is in P5 with 16 points. Uh, just barely ahead of Esteban Ocon for Alpine. He is sitting in P6 ahead of Sergio Perez. Kevin Magnussen slotting into P8 with 12 points currently. A great start to the year and a great comeback for Kevin Magnussen. Valtteri Bottas, he is holding firm in the top 10, holding on to the ninth position with eight points. Lando Norris, after a rough start to the season, a little bit of a turnaround in Saudi Arabia. We'll see if they can continue that form, though. He's currently 10th in the Drivers' Championship. Followed in suit by the Alpha Tauris, Yuki Sonoda is also ahead of Pierre Gasly. They're both tied at four points apiece, but Yuki Sonoda is ahead on finishing results. Fernando Alonso is in 13th with two points, followed by Zhou Guanyu. Uh, Mick Schumacher is in P15, followed by Lance Stroll, Nico Hulkenberg, Alex Albon, Danny Ricardo, Nicholas Latifi, and a non-contest but still in the results, Sebastian Vettel. 
On the constructor side, it is Ferrari out ahead at 78 points, followed by Mercedes and Red Bull Racing. Slotting into P3 now with 37 points after a strong result in round two. Alpine are in fourth ahead of the Haas F1 team, running one-legged in Saudi Arabia due to Mick Schumacher's heavy crash in qualifying. They are ahead of Alfa Romeo, Alfa Tauri, McLaren in P8 with six points ahead of Aston Martin and Williams. I think that is probably one of the craziest, you know, in terms of the constructors, uh, one of the craziest lists that we've we've seen or heard in, in quite some time in this uh, on this platform. Tom, uh, after seeing that and, 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 and seeing this all kind of develop in these first two weeks, uh, how surprised are you that that we are where we are in terms of the constructors and, and some of the results that we've seen so far? You know, in terms of the constructors, I'm I'm not surprised, actually, because Ferrari has been talking about this project with this car f- since 2019 now, um, that when these new regulations came into effect and when it was these new cars, they were going to be at the front. And they have quite the sizable margin. I mean, Mercedes is behind, but in terms of pace... Uh, It's going to be Red Bull that I see overtaking Mercedes in the Constructors' Championship. And if anything, Mercedes is a bit of a surprise to me that they are in second, given their pace, uh, especially given Lewis Hamilton's uh, last weekend. But the rest of the field is kind of slotting into place now. We can see where the midfield is starting to come into effect. It's nice to see Haas currently in fifth. Um, I'm surprised to see Williams down at the bottom as well, though because they were also a team that was talking up these regulation changes that they were going to bring forth a competitive car, and we have yet to see that. Without a doubt. Definitely uh, a very interesting start to this season. Uh, Something that definitely, I I think, can leave us all uh, a bit excited, but also leave some major questions up there from from a few teams, at least. Uh, Also in this uh, Saudi Arabian Grand Prix here, we had six total drivers that... uh, uh, one being, uh, you know, did not start in Mick Schumacher, who was okay after a, a scary, scary crash in uh, that qualifying uh, session there. Uh, uh, an accident that was pretty, pretty massive. Uh, Tom, I know that you know some of the uh, the, the numbers of, uh, you know, how much that may have cost it has. What, what, what was that crash, you know, in, in total? And, and how, how bad does that hurt that has that one team? So it's a major blow to the Haas F1 team uh, financially, given that we have the cost cap in effect. Uh, in total, that crash cost about a million dollars. But ultimately, the more important thing is that Mick Schumacher uh, walked away under uh, some power to actually be okay after a crash like that. It goes to show how safe these F1 cars actually are. Uh, it was 33 Gs on impact at 160 miles an hour. And it's just, that's what we know happens at this track because it's such a high speed street circuit uh that's the reason why so many people speak out against this track just simply due to the fact that it is just dangerous by design um there's not enough runoff in areas where there should be the crash was where one of that happened so that's another thing to think about whether or not we race there going forward uh not only with the track but also with the surrounding area events that we saw over the last weekend um but as for Haas, it's a big blow to the team they have they have to uh, kind of figure out how many spare parts they can now have going forward, seeing as they have to rebuild the car. The power unit was able to be salvaged, and the survival cell was able to be salvaged, but the rest of the car is a complete write off. Yeah, absolutely, definitely a uh, 
a very scary moment there for Haas, uh, but very, very great to see Mick Schumacher be able to walk out of that uh, with no major, you know, ailments or injuries. Uh, uh, misspoke there a bit there. Yuki Sonoda also had a DNS as he uh, suffered a technical issue on his lap to the grid. Uh, just a, a bizarre moment seeing Yuki just kind of hop out of the car there and uh, not be able to start this Grand Prix. Uh, our other drivers that were a DNF, uh, Albon, Botas, uh, Alonso, Ricardo, um, definitely a, a, a race in which we saw many, many drivers uh, just just not be able to finish. I think that we somewhat expected uh, some of it in terms of uh, the results last year and how many race incidents we saw. Uh, but, but overall, looking at the race, uh, Tom, what would be your biggest surprise of this weekend and, and how things all unfolded? So I, I had two pretty major surprises of the weekend. Uh, the first one was Lewis Hamilton qualifying in 16th position. First time that he was knocked out in Q1 since I believe it was Brazil 2017 was the last time that happened. It had been a very long time. Um, strictly just on pace as well. No crash either. Just down on pace. The car seemed well out of control. And there's some serious problems for Mercedes. That was my big surprise. George Russell doing as well as he is, is kind of a bit of a question how there's so much of a delta in between the two drivers on both sides of the garage because we've seen it in Bahrain and now in Saudi Arabia. So some questionable things happening at Mercedes, so that's a big surprise for me. But the other one has to be Nico Hulkenberg coming back in, the super sub, uh, finishing ahead of Lance Stroll. That, for me, was the big surprise. Granted, Lance Stroll did have some contact towards the end of the race, Um However, he was still not in a position to catch Nico Hulkenberg, and that was a big surprise for me, just to kind of come back and say, oh, yeah, we're here again, and just go. Yeah, no, I, I definitely uh, I can I can agree on, on pretty much both of those points. I think it was a very big, uh, uh, a big surprise to see Lewis Hamilton, absolutely, especially after qualifying, to see him not even make it out of Q3 was uh, a, a bit of a shock to just about anybody and everybody who knows the sport of F1. Um, for my biggest surprises of the weekend, I, I also did have Hamilton. Um, more so on a, on a brighter note, though, in terms of uh, he did start P16, but him at least being able to fight back, uh, put that car into the points, even though it was just a P10, which just got them one point. Uh, I thought it was a pretty impressive you know, uh, fight back from him. I, I obviously don't think that the pace was still there. Uh, you know, he, he even mentioned after the race, you know, just purely coming out and saying, you know, I, I, I couldn't even keep up with the Haas. You know, they're, they're powerful, um, which I, I think when you hear that coming out of someone like Lewis Hamilton's voice, I, I just I, I think it's insane. Um, I don't think anybody really, really expected to hear those words from him. But I do think he did a, a decent job by salvaging what he could uh, this weekend and, and getting into the points. And also I had Lando Norris as a biggest surprise. Uh, just with McLaren's struggles and to to see them be, you know, quite quite honestly, just off pace uh, to go into qualifying. Um, but then Lando being able to salvage his weekend as well, get into the points and uh, and, and score some much needed points for that McLaren outfit, I think was a, a bit of a surprise for me, but a, a good overall weekend from the two of them. 
Yeah, I have to agree with you. Um, th- I mean, it was we're full of big losers and big winners from this weekend. It was just it was all over the place throughout the entire grid. Uh, it it still just absolutely blows my mind a little bit with what's happening at Mercedes, especially because Hamilton had said, "Just wait until you see me next season." He said something like that, like it's going to be scary, and then they can't keep up with the Haas. So there's just a lot happening um, down there, and then I. Lando Norris as well. Very, very surprising weekend for him to be able to get up into the points, um, be able to finish as well into the points. Who knows where Daniel Ricciardo could have finished. Uh, he was n- unable to finish. What was it, lap 36 or 37? We had three cars break down. We had Fernando Alonso break down, Daniel Ricciardo. Um, who was it as well? Valtteri Bottas. Yeah, yeah he just he just cruised right on into the pit lane and just parked right up and yeah. was like, yep, we're done. And uh, nearly slipped uh, underneath the radar there. Yeah, <laughs> just just crawled right into the uh, pit and just had a, a slow and untimely death. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, so definitely uh, some some interesting storylines for sure this weekend. Uh, Tom, moving on here now to the biggest winner of the weekend. Uh, who did you have and uh, why so? So biggest winner, I was split between two. One has to go to Sergio Perez for having his first pole position in 215 race appearances. Um, as he said, good things come to those that work hard. And he worked very, very hard to get that pole position. He he drove a brilliant race as well. He had a clean start off the get-go. He was pulling a very nice gap to the Ferraris. He wasn't enough to get out of striking distance or strategic, um, you know, undercut and overcut uh, range, which ultimately kind of came into a bit of effect, but with a little bit of a twist to it, really. Uh, he was driving phenomenally well at the front, and the Ferraris were giving a lot of pressure to him towards the early, you know, throughout that early stint. And Ferrari just threw a wonderful bluff, really, in the pit lane. They brought all of their mechanics out in as if they were taking in the Ferraris, um, and then they stayed out, and it caught Red Bull off guard. They brought Perez right in, and then just like that, uh, Latifi crashes, the safety car comes out, and uh, Ferrari and Verstappen take advantage of it. Perez is at a disadvantage because he pit just before the safety car, but that's just how it goes sometimes. Um, yeah, it was uh, definitely a very, very just just pure unlucky moment for Perez there. Yeah, it, it you couldn't have scripted it really. As soon as you pit, the safety car comes right up. You know, another lap and he would have had it. But then another big winner for me is Lando Norris. Um, it, it's questionable to see if they can keep that form up going uh, further, though especially with some of the comments that Lando Norris was making in the post-race show saying we're due for some tough weekends. And you could tell just with the cars without handles, um, it seemed as if it fit well for Saudi, but it doesn't really look like it's going to handle well in some of the slower speed corners and Saudi Arabia is full of high seat, high speed corners. And that's kind of where it seems to be a little more comfortable. So tough times ahead for Lando Norris, but a big win for him this weekend. Uh, tough for the other side of the garage with Dana Ricardo. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I definitely, uh, I think it's one of those bittersweet weekends where you know you have a you have a driver who gets into the points and kind of you know has a little bit of a bright spot, but at the same time, then you have a, a DNF, and again, the pace just overall isn't there. So uh, definitely some you know some massive question marks over at that McLaren uh, McLaren garage there, and it's just going to be a, an interesting season to see if they can figure things out or if they'll continue to struggle. Uh, my big winner for the weekend, uh, kind of going along with what you said with Sergio, uh, I'm going to give it to Red Bull as a whole. Um, I thought it was a great weekend for them overall. Obviously, Perez with that pole position, um, and just a superb driver. We all know, and he's he's worked so hard to, to get where he is. Um, had a great race, really, again, if he wasn't struck in by that just insanely unlucky, uh, you know, safety car. Uh, who knows what the, you know, 
race results would have been. Um, but definitely we, we, we feel that it would have wound up a bit different for him. Um, but, you know, a, a big win for Max to kind of bounce back from the first Grand Prix, you know, both of them DNFs, both of, you know, them just going out very, very uh, unlikely in that first weekend. And for them to score some very big points here, uh, I think it was a big win for Red Bull. Puts them right back in contention, as we knew that they probably would. Um, but definitely uh, has to be a feel-good weekend for them in terms of the results that they, they were able to produce. Anytime that you can bring home a win for the team, it's always a, a good weekend to produce. And then a, a couple of good statistics for Max Verstappen as well. He's won a race in every season that he's competed in now from 2016 to now. He has 21 wins. He's tied with Kimi Raikkonen on the all-times list. So a positive weekend for them. You can see the strengths of the Red Bull. They seem to be a little bit quicker in the straights. Ferrari seems to have a little bit of an edge on them uh, in the corners, but it's not too big of a difference between the two on the straights either. I think Red Bull just has maybe a slight little bit of advantage with the DRS systems, which uh, an interesting play of the DRS this weekend as well. We saw Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen having a, a couple games of cat and mouse sometimes heading into the, into the last breaking point before the main straight. But at the same time, you know, what can you expect when you line up one DRS straight after the exact other with the detection point at the end of the first one? That's, a, that's of course, going to happen. But um, this interesting going forward as to what we're going to see now. But we can see now that it's going to be very tight between Red Bull and Ferrari going forward. And, and the issues that we saw with Red Bull early on in the season, uh, round one, it seems as if they're on top of them now. But maybe not at the sister team, AlphaTauri, with Yuki Sonoda having some issues throughout the weekend. Uh, issues in qualifying, and as you said earlier, not able to start the race. Um, so just kind of interesting to see what's coming out of the Red Bull powertrain development now. Yeah, without a doubt. And then in touching back with, you know, seeing uh, seeing those Red Bulls and, uh, and Ferraris fight back and forth, seeing seeing Max Verstappen and, and, and Leclerc there both lock up to try to get into that DRS detection zone. Just it was incredible racing. It was, you know, when people say, you know, it's it's a game of, of chess, you know, at 180 plus miles per hour, it really was them playing a, a game of chess to see, you know, hey, you know, who, who can get there first, but at the same time, who can stay behind to, to get that advantage. It was uh, an incredible display by, by two brilliant drivers, I think. Oh, I loved it. I, I thought it was extremely entertaining for sure. And lap, tap, lap after lap, they were just fighting throughout the entire duration of the race as well. Um, early on after the safety car restart is pretty much just them chasing each other down. And I love that this season now we can see that it's not only when you make a pass ahead of a car that it's game over. The car behind now has the chance to stay behind closely, um, keep up and mount an attack back as well. Uh, through the pursuing and following laps where earlier on the last generation car we weren't quite able to do that so i like that we're now able to see that the closer battling that was promised it seems as if the new regulations are coming into uh, a positive shape up after all and we'll see if that will continue going forward but uh, it's going to be tight as we knew from verstappen and uh and leclerc and you know might as well strap in now before it gets too crazy absolutely definitely it's it's playing out to be a very, very exciting season. So I think that we, we all as as F one fans can be very, very grateful for the uh, the the great racing that we've seen so far. Um, moving on here to our biggest loser category, Tom. I'll let you start this one off because I know that we are uh, we're, we're very ready to hear mine. Uh, but uh, I'd like to hear what you have and uh, and and who who and why your biggest loser was. So I have uh, 
I have two big losers from this weekend. Um, I, one of my big losers is Haas and Mick Schumacher um, because they have to rebuild the entire car now. Um, that's pretty unfortunate. I don't know if you've kind of realized it, it takes a very long time to build a Formula One car. Uh, it takes an even longer time to build it right. And now they have just about two weeks before we're racing in Melbourne again to get that underway. At least they have an extra week that they can build the extra car. But I mean, that's such a huge financial, um, economical, just structural part. The car, you need it. And it's in two. I mean, it's not good. At least the driver's in one, though. But big, big loss for Haas this weekend. Uh, secondly, my, my big loser from this weekend is uh, Alfa Romeo. Valtteri Bottas had a DNF. Uh, I don't think anybody would have really noticed it either. He didn't stop on track. I mean, he just cruised right down into the pits and just parked up, said, yeah, no, we're done. Um, and then uh, Joe Guan Yu, um, out of the points, just off the pace, sloppy weekend. It didn't really seem to come together too well. At least he kept it on the track, though, but he just seemed off the pace throughout the weekend. And Alfa Romeo needs more weekends like they had uh, in Bahrain if they want to make sure that they stretch clear of Alpha Tauri um, or even McLaren behind them as well. They need to catch up at this point to Haas and Alpine. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, it definitely was a tough weekend, uh, especially for Alpha Romeo there uh, after what seemed like it was going to be a, a pretty promising weekend, I think, for especially Valtteri Bottas. Uh, it seemed like he had pretty good pace the entire weekend leading up to the race. Uh, uh, to, to see him DNF was definitely a, a little bit disheartening, but uh, I think that it, you know, is a, a situation in which even even uh, with with Joe there finishing P11, I think he still had decent pace, not not great pace, um, but he still has shown some some pretty impressive, at least from my eyes, some some pretty impressive composure as a rookie. Uh, he seems like he's he's kind of learning and fitting in pretty well to this F1 platform, so I think it's a a bit of a bright spot, at least that Ralph Romeo can put on themselves to say, at least you know, it's we're we're now two races in, and we've seen two pretty clean races from the rookie. Uh, definitely more than some teams can say when they bring in rookies. <laughs> uh, so true, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, so yeah, uh, he ha- he has positive going forward for sure. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. but definitely, you know, like you said, big things to work on. Um, so uh, I'll now swing it over to my biggest losers. Um, and for all of our Canadian viewership out there, uh, I promise this is no knock to you at all. Um, but my biggest loser for this weekend, unfortunately, is the Canadians. Um, and in that regards, it is Lance Stroll and Nicholas Latifi. Uh, Lance Stroll finished this Grand Prix uh, P13 behind his temporary uh, stand-in teammate Nico Hulkenberg uh, was more than a lap off the pace of the leader, uh, and then Nicholas Latifi. Unfortunately, he he Latified. Um, Are you he, kidding me? <laughs> he he Latified, <laughs> and uh, again the second year running crashed at this Jetta Street Circuit. Um, an unfortunate result, you know. It, it was. Uh, a bit of, I think, you know, just him trying to push a little bit harder than what he may be capable of. Uh, and again, it is a very, very tough track. Um, but I, I just think it was a, a rough weekend for the Canadians. Uh, I think uh, at a Lance Stroll, we definitely, we, we need to see him competing a bit more. And if he can't compete with uh, a, a temporary teammate who literally just was like, hey, here's the car. Uh, we need you to sub in basically for, you know, a race or, or now two. Um, it, it's 
not the greatest of signs to see for that uh, Aston Martin team. And then to see Nicholas Latifi again crashing, it, it just is, uh, leaves a bitter, bitter taste, I think, in that Williams team's mouth. Uh, and then obviously having both cars unable to finish was definitely rough. But I think this was a, this was a rough weekend for the Canadians. But other than that, you know, I, I love them. You know, I think they're great. But uh, it was a, a tough weekend for those two. Uh, definitely need to see some improvements, I think, on both ends. Latifi, Latifi last season, and he Latified this season. The same track, and we're calling it the Latifi. I love it. That's great. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, the Canadians. Sorry to the neighbors up north. Um, sorry to the neighbors back home, really, because we're from up hey, north. We we love you. Trust us. We we love you, and we couldn't be more close to you in terms of really. I mean, you got to finish like, higher up though, and you got to finish at first off. So. Without a doubt. I mean, I mean that is really tough though for Lance Stroll. I mean, Nico Hulkenberg, he is the he is the super sub, but I mean it's it's it would be one thing if it was last season and it was at least the last generation car, but it's so different now having the ground effect on there that Nico Hulkenberg had to sub in and learn how to drive a Formula One car that had active ground effect happening with it. A totally reworked package with E10 fuel, a totally different kind of Formula One car, and he beat you. That's pretty bad, actually. So, unfortunately, yeah, the Canadians, um, I'm going to go ahead and pencil them in on my biggest loser list as well. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, um, great white north neighbors, y'all got to finish a little higher up the list. A little bit higher. You know, we're not asking for much. I mean, I I don't think... uh, There's no Americans on the grid, so you got to do it for us. Absolutely. You know, I don't think we expect too, too much out of Nicholas Latifi, but uh, to, to see him crash two years running uh, at, at this, the same track, it's just a little. Dude, he's uh, crashed. Little... He crashed in practice last season there too. So he's crashed four times in 110 days in between at the same track. It's, it's rough to see. Definitely just keep him away from Jetta. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Uh, definitely not the track that you want Nicholas Latifi running on it. It seems, uh, and then it just again, like you like you noted with Lance Stroll, uh, you just we don't expect you to dominate Nico Hulkenberg, but uh, I, I think we all at least expected him to uh, be in front of him somewhere on the grid. Yeah, and I had to put Joe on there because he had a bit of a, an advantage on strategy on Lewis Hamilton ahead of him. I mean, granted, he finished about like nine seconds or so behind him, but at the <laughs> same time, Hamilton was so caught off by those lap 37 incidents with the pit lane being closed that Joe had the advantage where he was able to get into the pits. Um, so he should have, I think, you know, kind of, but at the same time, it's only a second race in F1. So, I mean, you can't really be too hard on the kid. He's got, he's got some potential going forward. We're still to see some big incident involving him. So he, Absolutely. he's doing better than our last class of rookies that came through. I'll, I'll give him that. You no, know, he's definitely uh, got some got some you know spots that he needs to work on, but I, I think it was definitely uh, I think it'd be fair to put him you know along the group of biggest losers just in the Alfa Romeo outfit as a whole. Um, Tom, you had the uh, Torpedo of the Weekend award as well. Uh, who and why with that award? Oh yeah, Torpedo of the Week. This is my favorite award. We saved the best for last. This one is my favorite. This one is a special award for someone that just decides, you know what? You see that gap? That's not really a gap up the inside, but even though I'm half a car length back, I'm going to just send it up there anyway and hope for the best. And he ends up crashing both of them out. Oh yeah. It's that guy. 
it's the torpedo of the week, and it's going to Alex Albon this weekend. Um, <laughs> I have no idea what he thought kind of gap was there. He was not alongside. There was not a gap there. And he literally just said, you know what, we're just going for it. So, uh, you know, torpedo of the week, he caused severe damage and took, uh, you know, it was just bad. Took himself out. Just, yeah. One to forget if you're Alex Albon. Not off to the best start with Williams. Not the best start of the year for Williams, but torpedo of the week this time goes to Alex Albon. Yeah, he uh, he he definitely was very... Uh... Very Yuki Sonoda esque in terms of really just diving. Oh, there was no gap at all that, there. That move was I, never. I, up. I mean, there there was there was a gap, but there wasn't at all a gap for him to go through. Uh, so it was just kind of like he saw a hole, and was like, "Well, I see a little daylight," and he just went for it. Uh, definitely not the move he should have tried to pull. Uh, nonetheless, on lap forty-seven, um, just it was really seemed like it was maybe just a, a last valiant effort to just get some progress um but nonetheless it was definitely not the best move a pretty pointless move on alex's end uh fernando alonso almost got this award though yes yes he did i mean we did we haven't even talked about that yet i mean (laughs) connor what did you think about the alpines fighting it out early on in the race i i thought it was awesome i'm not gonna lie i know a lot of people uh disagreed with it in terms of you know oh you're losing pace you're losing this you're losing that I, I think it's 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 no argument that the alpines aren't going to be fighting necessarily for a podium so so why not let them you know battle it out with each other they seem to have some decent pace um they might have you know he might have been able to to fight that that mercedes outfit and george russell or maybe even you know uh, squeak into you know that that fourth spot a little bit here and there if they just would have you know, let Alonzo go, but I, I think it was nice to see the team just kind of letting Alonzo and, and Elcon just battle it out. Like, hey, listen, you guys are out there. You're not necessarily fighting for a, a you know a higher grid position other than the two that you're fighting for right now. So, so go for it. I, I do think I will say though, I think that a few of the the late moves that Esteban pulled in terms of defending some of Alonzo's moves were a little risky in terms of. I I, yeah, I think there was, you know, if there was a collision, it would have definitely been easy to pin it right on Esteban. But I think other than that, it, it was fun to see. It was fun racing. They they seemed to, uh, you know, somewhat enjoy being able to race each other back and forth. Um, so I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I just do think that a few of the moves that Esteban had were just a little, a little risky on my part. I absolutely loved the battle between those two. I thought it was edge of the seat stuff. I thought it was super exciting. Um, I thought it was a great show between the two, attacking and defending. Some of the moves from Esteban Alcon were pretty late, though. I I will agree with you on that one. But at the same time, he, he wants so badly to assert himself in the team as that number one driver, as that young kid who has the future, because he knows that he has Piastri in the garage now who wants to be that as well. So he has to try to assert himself over Fernando Alonso. Right, and who better who better to beat than a world champion a driver? Two-time world who champion clearly, at that. Who clearly has some pretty impressive rate or uh, pace uh, at his age in that outfit so uh, he he definitely you know no matter how old he he definitely is still getting on pretty well with that car and uh it's definitely i think it's actually one of the best things that could be happening for esteban because it's it's making him have to you know be a better driver um and i think that's exactly what alpine wants in a way 
Um, because if he can assert himself and, and really establish himself as that number one over at Alpine, then that gives them, I'd say, probably a, a little bit little bit easier of a decision when it comes to, you know, whether or not uh, Alonso sticks around or they get rid of Alcon in the end. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with Alpine having a Esteban Alcon and Oscar Piastri lineup. You have two young talents at that front. We just need to see some more from Esteban Alcon. But we need to see some more of what we saw last weekend in Saudi Arabia because I thoroughly enjoyed what we saw from Esteban Alcon. It's like he heard me talking trash last week about him and was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah okay, let me just go shut this kid up. Um, yeah. And he did. So To, uh, to, to watch, and, watch and learn, and, and he definitely he put on a show. It was very impressive. Uh, even, you know, the, the finish there, being able to, uh, to outlast Lando there. It was, uh, it was Oh, yeah, good... there was a nice little last lap duel between him and Lando. Finishing... Uh, I think it was a little less than like a one hundredth of a second there that he beat Lando on, which was just it was overall it was it was very impressive by by Esteban. I, I was very pleased to see how he uh, how he got on in terms of this weekend, and uh, I think that's a it's a massive building block for him. I think to be completely honest, Esteban Ocon beat Lando Norris to the line by nine one hundredths of a second. Wow! Yeah, no, that's uh, I, I, for I, reference. That's two. That's a blink a blink of an eye. Pretty much. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it couldn't have been closer. And I, I think, you know, as much as it probably hurt Norris to uh, to, you know, not be able to catch him there at the end. I, I think that's another, you know, maybe building block, so to speak, for that McLaren outfit to, you know, at least be that close and competing with the Alpine. Uh, it's, you know, another another one of those. Yeah, like it, it can be a building block for both. It could be for Alcon that he had a solid race and it could be for Norris that, you know, although he wasn't able to catch Esteban Alcon at the end, he was able to finish P7 ahead of Gasly and ahead of Magnussen, um, especially ahead of Magnussen, because that's a Ferrari power unit. Um, but this does show that, in my opinion, that Alpine that looks quicker than um, the Mercedes power unit of the McLaren. Ooh. I'd I'd have to say it 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 does. I I was very impressed with the pace from the from the Alpines. I never would have thought that I would have ever said the Renault power unit seems quicker than the Mercedes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's it's been a a massive massive head scratcher to start the season with how massively the Mercedes power units have struggled. Um, but look at George Russell. I mean, right, which is it's just five and eighteen seconds clear. Excuse you know, me, really, about 16 seconds clear of Esteban Ocon ac- across the line. Right. It really, I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense at all. 40 seconds clear of Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, no, it, it's... Uh, wow. It, it really, I mean, it just makes you wonder. I mean, we, we know that they had a, you know, they, they made some slight changes in terms of their, their rear wing this weekend, which uh, definitely were, were very interesting, um, to say the least, I think. Uh, and then, you know, you heard just Lewis Hamilton just straight up say, you know, the car was just undrivable um, when he was, you know, going out for that qualifying session there. Uh, and after not making it past Q3, he just said, you know, we made some adjustments that we thought were going to be right. And apparently they were wrong. Uh, so it's just very, very interesting to see these the struggles of, of, of not only the Silver Arrows, but just, you know, the Mercedes power cars as well. Uh very, very interesting. Yeah, when Lewis Hamilton is qualifying P16 at a 1 minute 30.3 and pole position is by Sergio Perez at a 128.2, there are some major issues because that is a huge gap. And even, well, that- even between teammates, I mean, Hamilton 130.3, George Russell 129.1. He's a second, 1.2 seconds clear. I- yeah, no. 
without a doubt, just, I mean, one of those, you know, one of those scenarios in which we have never really seen uh, the struggles like we are seeing them right now out of Mercedes and uh, obviously out of Lewis Hamilton. So uh, very interesting to see, you know, how we develop and how we go throughout this, uh, this season. And Red Bull is only one point behind Mercedes in the constructors championship. Mm-hmm. Mercedes has 38 and Red Bull has 37. So, I mean, be- at, at this rate, it's, it's Ferrari one and then Red Bull two after Australia, unless somehow they turn this around, which, which I, I, doesn't know. look like it's going to be that easy. Absolutely. Absolutely. It definitely doesn't look like it'll be that quick of a turnaround. Hey, you, you never know, you know, it could happen, you know, weirder things have happened, but uh, it definitely is uh, a scenario in which it seems like Red Bull has that definite advantage right now. And uh, it's just a matter of time before they take that second spot on the constructors. Uh, Tom, moving on to our fan question of this week, uh, fan question coming from Josh Braxton, where, Oh, no, nope. we are now two weeks into the 2022 season. Do you think that Williams has a chance to score points before the end of this season? Well, I wouldn't say that it looks good for Williams right now. Um, they are well off of the pace. Um, well, I, I can't pull up a Delta off of their race result. Let me look at qualifying, for example. Alex Albon was P17 at a one. 30.4 and as we said pole position was a 128.2 Latifi was a 131.8 um, so Alex Albon is 1.4 seconds ahead of Nicholas Latifi on qualifying pace that's pretty astonishing um, but at the same time they're still fighting for P17 and struggling to get out of Q1 um, it doesn't look good for Williams I'm not really sure the car just didn't look planted in preseason testing. It looked squirmish. The rear end didn't look too, you know, solid around just, it, it didn't look like it wanted to work for the drivers and still doesn't really look like it wants to work for the drivers. I would say Alex Albon has a little bit better of a grasp on the car than Nicholas Latifi does. But I mean, to say that it's impossible that Williams isn't going to score points is a bit of a long shot because it's only round two. It's a 23 round season. There's still a long way to go. Anything can happen. And we have seen everything happen. At least what we think we've seen everything happen. And so we see the next, everything that happens. Um, So, you know, who knows, but in terms of pace right now, they are, they are a mile off the pace. I mean, I know when you look at it and you say, Oh, well, he's only what a second and a half off here or there. I, if you speak it regularly, it doesn't seem like that much, but in racing and in formula one, that's a mile. So it, it doesn't look good for Williams. So I, I would say, uh, uh, maybe. Fair enough. I, I, I could definitely agree with that one. I, I think it's, it's hard to say yet if they'll, you know, finish with a, a points finish this season. Um, I think that again, you know, we, we can't rule anything out. In, in F1, uh, crazier things have happened. Um, I, I think that you look at the constructors and you look at the fact that the only two teams to not score a point in just the first two weekends are only Aston Martin and the Williams. Uh, so just just that in itself, uh, I, I think is pretty impressive to see that almost every single team uh, has finished in the points almost once, and we're only through two Grand Prix weekends. Um, so I, I think they'll get their points. Uh, I don't know how many, uh, and that very well could just be one. Um, but I, I do think that at some point they will get a points finish. Um, it's just a matter of kind of the perfect storm coming all together for them. 
whether it's DNS from other drivers or uh, weather conditions, whatever it may be, uh, I do think that they'll they'll get it. Uh, it's just a matter of again, just it's got to be the perfect storm for them. Everything has to kind of come together and, uh, and and really stick for them to to get that points finish that they're looking for this season. Who do you think is going to uh, score points first, Aston Martin or Williams? Oof, it's a tough one, one right? <laughs> It, it really is a tough one because I think if you would have asked me that question before the season, I would have said no doubt Aston Martin. Um, you know, I think that you would have been, you know, kind of even maybe foolish to say, oh, well, you know, I think Williams will score points before them. Um, you know, whether it's from driver lineup to just the car itself, um, I, I, I thought that they'd be a little bit more competitive, I must say. Um, oh, I'm going to go out on a limb and keep some trust in them. And I'm going to say that Aston Martin uh, will, will score before Will Williams does, but I, I can't tell you which driver, um, you know, whether Fettel comes back and is, is productive, I think will be a big question mark. You know, obviously COVID's not fun and it's a, a, a pretty demanding thing to have to come back from. Um, but Stroll just hasn't really been on. And then again, getting beat by his teammate this, uh, this past weekend definitely was not, uh, not too good of a look for him. Not even getting beat by his teammate, getting beat by his substitute teammate. Yeah. yeah you know, it definitely, uh, and I, I know that a lot of people will say, Oh, well, you know, it was the factors that went into it or this or that. But uh, I think there's just uh, at this point, I mean, I even mean, regardless of the crash with Albon, he wasn't on the pace. Right, right, right. You know, I just think that it's uh, it's it's too far along for Stroll to have any real excuses for that to have uh, to be the final result that we got there for this weekend. Uh, Connor, quick question for you. Mm-hmm. So now that we watched round two, right? We didn't really talk too much so far about like the battle up at the front between Ferrari and Red Bull, but now that we've seen Ferrari and Red Bull both make it through a race, who do you think has a little bit of an advantage over who? Oh man, you know, uh, to be completely honest with you, Tom, I, I, I almost think it's 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 just about dead even between the two. Um, I will say that I, I probably would give a little bit of the advantage to the Ferraris. Um, I think that overall, you know, they they might not have as as much pace, maybe in a straight line as the Red Bulls do, um, but I, I think that they are just. Both, you know, between between Carlos, between Charles, I think that they are just completely locked in in terms of just an overall balance of a car. Um, they have plenty of power to uh, keep up on the straights, uh, yet they still have the, you know, the ability to stick as hard as they need to stick when it comes to flying around corners and really just being able to make power moves. Um I think it's insanely close. I, I think that it's it's you know as close as a hair, really, in terms of the the Ferraris and Red Bulls. But I, I would, I think I would have to give it right now to the Ferraris at this point. Uh, you know, it could change very well now that you know Red Bulls seems you know knock on wood to have figured out some of the issues that they dealt with in the first Grand Prix. But uh, I think I still still have to give it to Ferrari for now. And uh, as we get to the next couple of Grand Prix, it may may shift into Red Bulls hands, but. But for right now, I, I think that Ferrari could could run away with this season pretty pretty easily if uh, if if they're not chased down soon. Yeah, I, I agree to an extent. I think that currently, after seeing both the cars in action at a track like Saudi Arabia, I would say that Red Bull had a slight little bit advantage of straight line speed, uh, and Ferrari was more favorable through the corners. But 
that advantage on straight, I would say, is very, very slim. And I would say that it is still very, very... I mean, even the drivers across the line, um, it was only half second separating Max Verstappen from Charles Leclerc. It went down to the absolute last lap. And, I mean, one more lap, and I think Leclerc would have had him. But at the end of the race, that's when the yellow flag started to come out for um, our, torpo- our torpedo of the week. But um, I would say that it's a little bit of an advantage towards towards Red Bull on straight line speed and a little bit advantage to Ferrari in the corner. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I definitely, uh, I, I could agree with that one for sure. I, I just think it's, uh, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's one of those, uh, those interesting, interesting. It's times. weird because we're not saying Mercedes in the mix. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, and it's so, so even, like you said, you know, I think it's it's just so close right now that it's weird that we're this close uh, to see two teams that, you know, obviously we're used to seeing Mercedes and Red Bull, but it always seems like Mercedes just always had that upper hand. Uh, and now to not even have them into the conversation. Yeah, it's uh, so different now. I mean. very, very, very weird. I know that we all, you know, we all have come to expect it from Red Bull in terms of their performance. And we've kind of anticipated uh, Ferrari coming back to the Ferrari ways uh, in terms of competing and, and having a chance to dominate the sport. Um, but to see, you know, almost to see how far back it seems that Mercedes has uh, digressed is just, uh, it's, it's, it's mind boggling to say the least. And it's not even just the Mercedes works team, because even when we look through the field, through practice sessions, qualifying race results, we see a trend where Red Bull powertrain and Ferrari power units are closer to the front. Uh-huh. Alpine and Renault are happy in the middle, but closer to the to the front, to the back. But yep. we see a lot of Mercedes and a lot of Mercedes power units closer to the back of the midfield and the back of the pack. It, it doesn't seem like it's just a strictly silver arrow thing. It looks like it's starting to become, you know, what was the bulletproof Mercedes power unit might start to be, I mean, we saw last year it started to have a little bit of issues, but Maybe with the change to E10 fuels, they did something that didn't work. I mean, who who knows? But it seems like anything that's branded Mercedes isn't quite up there anymore. So it's it's pretty interesting now. We we see it clear as day. It's Red Bull and Ferrari, and the rest is the midfield. Yeah, without a doubt. And it's uh, just, just again, one of those – I think it's one of those things that's not necessarily bad for the sport. I think it's great to see – some other teams kind of having their chance to shine, so to speak. Um, but definitely just uh, just one of those bizarre moments for, for Mercedes and, and really just kind of throws questions as to what really is going on and, uh, you know, what, what changes were missed on and uh, if at all there's a chance for them to, to possibly fix those changes and, and kind of make uh, at least maybe not a comeback in terms of those top two spots, but uh, a comeback to, you know, to keep that third spot because I, I very well could see them, you know, maybe slipping further down this list if, if they don't figure things out rather quickly. It's a race against time for Mercedes as well, because we're going into the engine freeze because mm. all of the engine development is going to be freeze, uh, excuse me, frozen um, soon until the next change of engine regulations, which is set to take place after the 2025 season. So whatever power unit you have, this year that's what you have until the end of 2025 so mercedes needs to get on top of it and they need to get on top of it in a very very timely manner otherwise they're going to be in trouble for years to come 
Yeah, no, without a doubt, uh, definitely some some unsettling times for 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 all of of Mercedes powered cars right now, and uh, definitely not not a not a good time for for them to kind of slip up up in terms of their reliability and 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 really just you know their their dominance of this sport. Um, so it should be again very very interesting to see, and and if they don't make the changes quickly then uh, they could be up for you know as you said some some very very long long and difficult years oh yeah for sure i mean it's gonna be i, I mean george russell's ahead in the george it, it, he, george is ahead in the drivers mercedes is holding on to second but it's looking like it's gonna be a tough year for mercedes unless they get on top of it for sure but that's a little bit you know off topic we could have a whole fan question and you know episode about mercedes struggles so far Especially after the first two weeks, seeing everything out. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Uh, Tom, in terms of uh, just the whole weekend, the whole the, the race itself, uh, anything else that you want to touch on? Uh, no, I think we covered a little bit of everything. It was a great race right off the start. Unlucky for Perez, but a great battle between Red Bull and Ferrari. Midfield was tight all the way through. Um, bunch of DNFs, a couple DNSs. No. I think that we touched on a little bit of everything. Uh, we're going to head on over to Australia next. Um, Australia is one of the countries where we have some listeners in there. So hello to all of our international listeners, as well as all, all of our intranational here in the United States. So hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Um, that about wraps it up for me. Great, great. Well, it was another outstanding race weekend to start this 2022 season. Uh, definitely. I think just leads to the excitement as we continue to go on and uh, look forward to that uh, Australia Grand Prix. Uh, to everyone that listened, thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, make sure to give us a follow on Twitter. And again, thank you for uh, all the continued follow and support. Uh, Tom, thanks for your time tonight. It's great talking to you as always. Uh, make sure to tune into our next episode. Yeah, thank you, Connor. Thank you to everybody for listening, and we will see you ahead of the Australian Grand Prix.